Good morning and welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses, and you are listening on Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. In Ottawa at 95.7, in Toronto at 106.5. You could also be listening on the Radio Player Canada app, and if you've downloaded that app, you can type in 95.7 ELMNTFM or 106.5 ELMNTFM, and you could be listening on your device of choice right across the country. I'd like to welcome our guest today to Moment of Truth. His name is David Smuckler, and he has quite a long um, uh, understanding of working with voice, and he has—he certainly has the credentials, uh, not only here in Canada, but in places around the world. He has worked with uh, many, many uh, places, such as the Canadian National Theatre School, the Native Theatre School, the Centre for Indigenous Theatre, Simon Fraser University, University of Calgary. He's also, uh, if, I, if I'm correct, you're still, are you still teaching at York University or are you still somewhat involved with York University? Somewhat at the very end of my involvement. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, and that goes back to, as I mentioned, uh, you, were, you were teaching there when I was uh, studying theatre and I missed you by uh, about a year uh, because I had moved on to the the, the um, uh, production side of things, and you would just come in to start taking on that vocal uh, side of things. So uh, he he has also taught in Canada, England, the Netherlands, the United States, uh, entire range of theater from classical theater to opera, musical theater, film, television, radio, contemporary, and experimental theater and music. That is quite a range of things to uh, to look and understand. Now, now, David, you also uh, I I. I read also that your you um studied or i guess you looked at vocal production according to the principles of Iris Warren and Kristen Linklater is that Linklater yeah. and they're both scottish uh people i understand uh i don't know about iris okay. warren uh, she definitely was a brit mm. um but 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 kristen is is scots from from the um the orkneys and and what was it specifically about their particular vocal technique that uh, either attracted you or or made them so popular in terms of uh, you know vocal teachers? Well, the, the I'm going to the old fashioned style of of acting, and I've just pulled my ribcage <laughs> up and lifted it very high, which was the old style of acting because mm. the actors in the 19th century, well, starting in the the Restoration. We're working on a what's called a um, uh, with a raised platform, so that um, as you walked upstage, you walked actually higher. Yes. So the audience in the Elizabethan theater, the actors were on a platform, and the audience stood in the in right. the courtyard around them, or sat in balconies going up. Right. After the restoration. The court, when they came back from France in 1660, brought the French style, which was that the audience sat flat, and therefore the stage itself was raked, which mm-hmm. meant downstage, as you walked upstage, you actually walked up maybe a foot to two feet higher, uh, so that what you had to do was stand with one leg up the platform and one leg down. Um, which forced the actors to lift their ribcage, and therefore we had a very projected kind of voice technique, which lasted 
up until the talkies. Mm. And then there was a movement as a result of David Belasco in New York and mm. the and Ibsen and in mm. in Norway uh and then the beginning of film uh, the cinema was we needed a more natural way of of working so there was Gwendolyn Thoburn at Central School and Iris Warren uh who was working to develop a more natural way of speaking and so Iris's principles is that we're all born with beautiful natural voices and it was the tensions of growing up and surviving in the world that we took on all kinds of muscular, mm. emotional, psychological patterning and that to work, to go back to a more natural way of speaking, even in a theatrical situation. Uh, I got to work with Michael McOwen, who had been the principal of Lambda, who was the person who hired Iris to teach at Lambda. And uh, Michael told me the story that when he was directing a, a piece in the West End, which acts one and three, the young man had to play very bright comedy. And, but act two, he had to do deep emotional work. And he realized that if you hired an actor who could play the deep emotional work but not be able to play the comedy of Acts 1 and 3, he might not have an audience for Act mm. 2. <laughs> so he had to hire an actor who could play the comedy and pray that he could handle the emotional work. And stunningly, this young man could play the comedy of Acts 1 and 3 and could start to play the emotional work of Act 2. And Michael said that Halfway through the first week of rehearsal, he came to him and said, Excuse me, Mr. McGowan, but do you think I could possibly be excused from rehearsal uh, Thursday afternoon at four? I have an appointment. And Michael said, Yes. Week two, same thing happens. Week three, and Michael said to him, Are you having dental work done or something? <laughs> and the young man said, No, and got very embarrassed and said, No, Mr. McGowan. Um, I know you're very pleased that I'm able to play, go from the comedy of Act One to the emotional scenes of Act Two. Well, and said the young man blushed and said, it's, it's my voice teacher who's helping me. Mm. She's helping me move from the comedy to the emotional core. Mm. He didn't use the word emotional core. No. Um, and that was Michael's first hearing. So when I... Uh, was working, li living and working in England, I constantly met actors who would um, would tell me, well, Iris did this with me and Iris did that with me. Mm. Um, um, and so I got clues. All right. How I got to Kristen was I'd gone to drama school and I'd gone to Carnegie Tech, then Carnegie Tech, now Carnegie Mellon in mm. Pittsburgh. And... Uh, uh, it just so happened they're major Canadian people. Uh, Martha Henry was two years ahead of me. Mm. Pat Hamilton was a year ahead of me. Um, uh, and the, our training there was very much about speaking clearly. Mm. So we learned phonetics and ear, we did incredible ear training. But the emphasis on voice and breathing was secondary and certainly not about emotional connection. Mm. So I go 
to New York immediately from my undergraduate. So at 20, I'm not even 21 yet, there I am in New York City uh, at Teachers College at Columbia. The, the faculty at, at Carnegie Tech sent me to Teachers College where I did basically speech pathology and rhetoric work um, to balance. And I taught high school in the East Bronx for three and a half years, wow. starting at age 20. Hmm. Um, and that gave me time to grow up, gave me time to go to acting classes, gave me time to sort of figure out. And I had just, I had had the fortune of doing some Sunday morning church readings with a number of Canadian actors. So I got to meet Bill Hutt and Donald Davis, and I can't remember who else, um, and came to Stratford. Uh, I quit teaching high school, came to Stratford that summer, and they, they, Stratford was doing Henry IV Part Two, labeled Falstaff. And the beginning of the second half, which was Act Three, Scene One, Butch Blake, Mervyn Blake, and Bill Hutt were sitting on stage playing Shallow and Slender. And for me, the world cracked open because suddenly I was hearing an emotional core in Shakespeare text and involving me on an emotional gut level, which I had never experienced before in the theater. Mm. I get back to New York, New York, and there's a letter there from the head of the department at Carnegie Tech saying, there's this lady who's doing a grant to train voice teachers. Are you interested? <laughs> and I went, yes. I called immediately, said, yes, I'm interested. So a week later, two weeks later, I'm standing in front of this woman, and we talk about my training, my background, my interests, and she asks me to stand up and we were to prepare a Shakespeare sonnet. So I had prepared a Shakespeare sonnet, and I did something I had never done before in my life. I put my hand on my belly, and I spoke the sonnet, and she asked me, why did I put my hand on my belly? And my brain went, why did I do that? And suddenly out came, out of my mouth came to make sure I'm breathing. Hmm. Two weeks later, I'm part of the grant hmm. to train voice teachers for the North American theater. Hmm. And uh, right from the, this is with Kristen Linklater, and I guess there were 12 or 16 we started. We were, by the middle of October, we were down to, I think eight of us, and uh, at some point in the autumn, she said, well, some of you might be going to Stratford to apprentice, do your apprenticeship there, and I went home and wrote on a piece of paper, Stratford, and I, every time I changed the linens or anything, that piece of paper with Stratford stayed under the pillow. Mm. And yes, I came to Stratford. Uh, I went to did two months at the Guthrie Theater, so I got to know meet Douglas Campbell, mm. and uh, and then came on to Stratford, and then um, as an assistant 
an apprentice with, with Kristen, and then ended up back in New York in the fall at NYU. It's a brand new acting program, graduate school, teaching alongside Kristen, and that began. And then I spent the next couple of years, half the time at Stratford, half the time in New York. And then at Stratford, the summer of 68, Stratford did Rossini's Cenerentola, or Cinderella, and the lady who came over from the UK and sang Cinderella um, September 3rd, we were married. That's all I can say. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> we, it was just like, how do we make this work? <laughs> so we just we just got married, <laughs> knowing we were going to be doing mm. Canada, England, mm. New York, living. And that's what my life became, our lives became mm. over um, for the next sort of five years and then eventually the period in Holland. Um, so... What was important was the emotional ra- freedom and range of our voices, mm. so that the voice is rooted in a core, so that the language and the needs are coming from a core. And, and the actual truth is, the um, where we hold memory is the celiac nerve ganglia, which is in the abdomen. So we we take a bolus of food, we bite the food, we chew it, we swallow it, it travels down the esophagus, pushes through the diaphragm into the stomach. Once the food is in the stomach, it starts moving through all the abdominal organs being transformed into energies. So all the organs below the diaphragm in the human body are organs of transformation. Mm. Therefore, that's where the memories live. We have memories according to the food, according to our experience of the food, and uh, the—just gone blank. No uh, the, the, main, the main nerve that goes down from the brain, brain stem. Uh, it'll come in a moment. Yep. To the brain to send the message to the vocal folds doesn't go right from the brainstem to the vocal folds. It's the vagus nerve, and it goes down the left side of the body, right down into the very bottom to the genital region, and comes up the other side, and then reaches the vocal folds. So the vagus nerve travels through every bit of our memory, every bit of our emotional core, before it reaches the vocal cords. Wow. Therefore, the heart and the lungs, the only two things that are above the, the diaphragm, are literally pump houses. <laughs> all they do is pump. All the emotional life, all the memory life, all the feeling life. Now, there's some exceptions. There'll be some up mm. above. But, but the core of our living energies, memories, are down below the diaphragm. Therefore, that pit, and I call it a swamp, <laughs> and that's where the guts live. Therefore, the mo- deeper the breath is dropping in, 
the deeper we are allowing our thoughts and so the more we can put drop our thoughts into this core, uh, the more alive our voices are, mm. the more alive the language is. Mm. So especially whether we're doing um, whether we're doing a particular dialect or um, a weird playwright or doing Shakespeare, we want to get all that information down into the gut and tap the actor's sources in, down in the gut. Now, what you're what you're saying with that is uh, uh, obviously uh, uh, many people know that that the act of singing is not just a physical um, a physical thing. It is, as you just point, pointed out, that mental side of things that has to be very active in terms of getting that connection going. Yes, um, I'm not. Sometimes it's mental. Mostly it's physical. Mm. Mostly it's emotional. Mm. Because. The the if we get caught in just the intellectual, if we go get caught just in the intellectual. This is what happens to the voice. So here I'm talking totally from my intellect. I'm not allowing any of my emotional elemental part of me into that. Right. So I guess what I'm what I'm saying by that is that it's the the mental process of being conscious of of including those things, including the. The, those emotional and uh, getting the voice down there. Okay, that has but to be... it's, it cannot be only intellectual because we so much, especially in, in taking actors in training um, or any speaker in training, is get, helping the, the individual trust that they breathe down right. into the emotional territory into the feeling territory, they're not going to lose it. There's a great fear that if I breathe down there, I'm going to be a sobbing emotional element (laughs) instead of what they're actually doing down there is tapping into the thoughts and the feelings and the energies that are causing us to try to convince somebody to change their actions. That's very interesting, um, and I think that um, now I've gone blank. See, because we were we, you've taken me on a on a bit of a journey here that I that I wasn't expecting okay. to go down. But yes, and I'm, I'm just going to do a link for you. Sure, is that when we look at politics and voices in the political realm, we're we're basically working in Aristotelian principles, which is we do three appeals. We appeal through logic, we appeal through emotions, and we appeal through ethics. So we have all the politicians are, well, they're selling the ethics of the conservative party, the ethics of the liberal party, the ethics of the NDP, the Mm. ethics of the green, and they're, they're smart. They're selling it. Then they do their attacks is the attack on the other party or the the enemy? Is it a an emotional attack? Are they trying to knock down the enemy by emotions? Are they trying to knock down by going at their logic? Are they trying to go at them by their ethics? So we have a number of serious situations in this country right now 
where ethical issues have been quite scandalous. Mm. So um, how are the liberals handling the ethics of it? How are the conservatives responding to the ethics of our present situation? Um, what does the NDP have to say about the ethics <laughs> of it? Um, the, and then we have the same thing as the response is, do we trust the logic of how they're arguing? Mm. And the um, Mr. Ford's se sequence of logic in, in Ontario uh, in terms of the city of Toronto and John Tory as mayor is they're two they're doing two different logical systems. Mm. They're arguing from logic. They're also argue, arguing from ethics. Mm. Then they will throw in the, the emotional appeal is is not as important right now. It's the ethics of it and the logic of things. So having said that, and that's where I did want to go, we have to take a break in a moment, but uh, that's where I kind of wanted to make that link from voice in terms of acting or performing or singing into the realm of public speaking. And is, are the same principles involved with those same, uh, that same attachment that you were talking about, the emotional and getting, uh, the, you know, getting lower into the, to the, the voice? Um, Canadian opera has just, is now just finishing up their run of Verdi's Otello. It's basically about a conflict in ethics. Mm. <laughs> uh, the ethics of the Moor mm. and how his, his, his emotional state is fragile and Iago gets to work, starts working on the ethics and then starts working on the emotional things. Mm. Poor Desdem Desdemona has no chance mm fighting and she's just making emotional appeals. Mm. Mm. So we're really caught there, right. uh, whereas La Boheme is all emotion. Mm. It's all about the emotional things. Uh, every once in a while, one of the, the men comes up with something logical, mm. but usually it, so it's such adolescent logic. Mm. <laughs> and the fact that you have to have very sophisticated <laughs> singers singing adolescent yes. <laughs> illogic. But that's what, what makes it fascinating. Right. That's very interesting. We're going to take a short pause here on uh, Moment of Truth and Element FM, and we will be right back with more with David Smuckler right here on Element FM. Uh, we're back on Moment of Truth and Element FM. We were just uh, speaking with our guest, uh, David Smuckler, and he is a voice coach, and he has been uh, involved with uh, numerous places over the years. He's in demand, not only in North America, but right across to Europe and other parts of the world, uh, Canada, England, the Netherlands, as we mentioned, the United States. And he is, uh, he's, he's taught in many forms, from classical theater to opera, musical theater, film, television, radio, contemporary, and experimental theater and music. And uh, he was just giving us a very good understanding of how the voice in order to tap into the richness of the voice and the emotion of the voice, uh, the physicality of, of how that works with the vagus nerve, I believe is what yes. you, you called yes. it, which uh, travels down one side of the, 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 from the back of, I guess, the back of the brain, down right down to the, to the lower parts of the body, the groin area, and back up the other side. And uh, he was explaining to us how, how the voice 
is 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 pulling or, or in order to to tap into the full potential of the voice as an actor, a singer or a public speaker, uh, you really have to tap into that lower part of the the guts that are in in the, the body that carry the memory of all that we eat, all that we feel, etc. Uh, quite an, quite fascinating. I, I thank you for that explanation, uh, David. So you were just saying just before the break, you talked a little bit about we were talking about voices and if that is the same for public speaking and you were you were mentioning some uh, politicians and how they approach certain things in terms of the parties and, and whether it's emotional or whether it's from a logical perspective or from an ethical perspective. And 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 it was interesting that you, you then made that connection back to theatre to explain how theatre is, is exactly the same thing, emphasized. Uh, but they tap into those same kind of things. So... Um, I'm just wondering. We were we were going to uh, listen to uh, some some voices uh, to get a sense of maybe what you you get a, uh, you you feel from their voices. So we have several that we can we can go to. We have Jody Wilson Raybould. We have Justin Trudeau, Jagmeet Singh, and Andrew Shear uh, for for a couple of clips. There's other ones that we could get into depending on our time, and we want to address some other things as well. Uh, people that we know on the on the international, or at least. Uh, um, uh, Trump, which we, we're not going to play because we all know what he sounds like, and, and Ford, uh, Doug Ford here in, in the province of Ontario. Um, where would you like to start? We'll leave that up to you. Uh, let's go to the, your, the samples you have. Okay. So uh, we have Jody Wilson-Raybould. So we'll play, uh, we'll play a clip or two okay. from Jody. I resigned from cabinet because I did not have confidence to sit around the table, the cabinet table. That's why I resigned. So, so first of all, she's holding onto her tongue. Mm. She's holding onto the back of her tongue and holding on and underneath the tongue, uh, so that she's. My gut response is that's rage. Mm. She's trying to hold down her rage mm. and trying to be as logical and and clearly controlling her situation. Uh, and not letting it move up and out, right? Because she will say things that she will might lose her argument. Yes. So she's being very careful and holding on to her, the underneath muscles of her tongue, and the the underneath muscles of the tongue attach to the top, to the hyoid bone, which we can swing around, and attaches to the top of the the thyroid cartilage, which is the front of the vocal fold. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, our next uh, contestant is Justin Trudeau. Our government did its job properly and according to all the rules. And if uh, someone felt that we did not, someone within the government, a minister or uh, particularly the Attorney General, then it was her responsibility to come directly to me and highlight that. Oh, that's an interesting clip because he's using his tongue again in a different way. He's using his tongue to say to us, I am logic. And then his energy gets moves up and he comes off over his tongue and he comes up in a very friendly, his very friendly, warm place. Mm. So he's gone from I'm being responsible to here I'm very friendly and I'm an open, friendly person. 
Very interesting. Very shrewd. <laughs> <laughs> Fascinating to hear how uh, how how the voice uh, can yes when you when you listen closely and you have the uh, the abilities that you bring into this from your years of experience. Fascinating. Uh, Jagmeet Singh. We're all united in the vision of making sure our governments stand up for people, not for the powerful and the well-connected. So I'm confident that we'll be able to work together on those shared values that we all have. And every one of my team knows that that's what our job is, to fight for the people that don't have a voice. Um, there's a bit of conflict going on there because he's trying. He's, this is obviously just after his election. Mm. And so... He's he's very bright. He's 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 wanting to burst out emotionally, but he's being very thoughtful, and so he's holding down. Mm. He's just slightly holding down again in the tongue root. Uh, that seems to, that's the, one of the favorite spots for politicians to hold, mm. because somehow we've uh, and this comes from the states that we. If I hold on to my tongue root or the underneath of my tongue, I'm a good guy. <laughs> and that you can trust me because you can trust my tongue mu muscle holding on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Andrew Shear. Well, at this point, we're calling on, the just, on Justin Trudeau to do the right thing and to resign. He has broken trust with Canadians. He has been proven that what he has said is not true. And he needs to step aside. Um, Mr. Another Mr. Growler. He's 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 trying to say I'm I'm the the responsible one. I'm the eth I'm carrying the ethics. So I'm going to hold on to my um, any what he doesn't ha what Trudeau has Trudeau does have the ability to come up into his head mm. and have some energy come out. But Sheer tends to hold on there in that. I'm a truthful human being. Mm. Uh, mm. But we've got four of them right there who are all holding on and there's no... I miss Mulroney's joy. I miss Chrétien's craziness. <laughs> I miss... Where, where there's energy mm. coming out. Mm. Uh, um... Kathleen Wynne did have a wonderful sense of being public mm. with her voice. Uh, and we crave the, the warmth of a public voice. Mm. And when we're getting these, uh, they're appealing to our fears. Mm. Because I'm being careful. I want to make sure I'm getting to your logic that we're going to solve the problems logically. Hmm. It's slightly, you know, we're losing human energy. Mm. We're holding mm. on to our fears. And we have many, I guess. Well, of course <laughs> we do. <laughs> Humanity goes from, we, it just emotionally, we go from, we read the newspaper. Mm. We watch the news because we're, we need that emotional journey. We need that emotional processing. Uh, and we treasured so the, the newscasters have their voices need to be 
have an element of openness and warmth so that we will accept the news. Do you think that in these times where we have a lot of uncertainty around especially the environment, uh, do you think that there's there's a thread that goes through everyone these days in, in terms of politics or public speaking or addressing these kind of things that that automatically puts them on the defensive or or unconsciously is there that that is uh, affecting their 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 speaking uh, I'd, i i would put it this way every generation has its issues mm. so the political voices the the patterns of political voices are the same patterns we've had for thousands of years. Okay. Mm-hmm. We've just changed language. We've just changed the, the text. We've changed the situations. Mm. But the, the techniques for appealing to an audience are basically a basic Aristotle. Mm. Mm. We break it down to, am I appealing to your ethics, to your, your, your code? Am I appealing to your emotions? Am I appealing to your logic? Mm. And it doesn't matter what culture, what language. Okay, uh, we're not going to play these clips, but but if you can, if you if you don't mind commenting, uh, just on the the last two that that, and then we'll move on. Uh, what would you say about Doug Ford? <sighs> on one level, he's playing good guy. He's playing. I'm a good guy, uh, but there's such a tension somewhere in the back. Mm. So he has. So the voice on one level is very open. Mm. There's a warmth that comes out of mm-hmm. him, but there's a a holding back at the same time. And Mr. Trump. <laughs> I, I covered my eyes yes. <laughs> with my hand. I've, I've coached several times. I've coached actors to play Mr. Trump. Mm. And um, in simplest term, it's an ungrounded voice. Mm. It's, um, he lives really in the top of his chest. Uh, and... He's connected its brain-mouth connection uh, to the top of his chest and the separation between there and his gut and then the crotch is another world for him (laughs) down below. But but the... I I tried to be polite. (laughs) But there's a gap. <laughs> there's an emotional gap in it, and I, and I think the 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 um, people pick up on that. Mm. I mean, I think the the the, the journalists have picked up on mm. that. Mm. There's this huge gap between this stuff that bounces off his head, mm. and, and and so it's um, we're not feeling a grounded response. I will say this, that Doug Ford, in an odd way, does have a grounding. Mm. And that, uh, whereas Mr. Trump, 
is not he's, he's he has he he he's riding emotion mm. Mm. and so there's there's this huge gap and there's a huge section of the american society that needs to be in that place where he's riding right okay well, thank you for that. That was very interesting to hear uh, hear how voices uh, reflect those things. Thank you for sharing that. Speaking of voices, uh, David, I, I'm wondering. You know, we all we all know about the vocal ranges. If we can get back to it's more of a, more the, the vocal side of things at this point, uh, ba- bass, baritone, tenor, uh, mezzo, mm-hmm. alto, soprano, etc. There's there's overlapping in these these vocal ranges. Everyone, of course, has a different vocal range. We hear about uh, some people that have these astronomical vocal ranges, and and and, and certainly from from some of the pop singers that we hear, or operatic singers, uh, in in many different genres, we we hear about this. But uh, you know, I've heard some people say that, that that a person has like an eight octave range, and I'm just going like, that's a piano. Um, you know, like, is it is it physically possible for a vocal person to have a range of that? Five octaves is pretty good. Pretty good. I wouldn't go. There, maybe there's a lady who's who they did a piece, an op- piece at, at the Metropolitan Opera in, in New York, which demanded the singer sing. I forget with the actual note, but it was above high C. Mm. Um, and uh, which is quite extraordinary that somebody does have the note and the the composer wrote it. That, mm. um, but that's a freaky sound, mm. a freaky. But so most people have. If we had a, a, an easy play of our emotional range, we, most people have two to three octaves available to them. Mm. Uh, what limits our vocal range is our our social con- social political cultural constructs mm-hmm. so you have languages which have a big emotional range i e italian mm. which has um but the italian mouth is open there's mm-hmm. a lot of oh da, da, sound right. moving right. out you move so the vowels in Italian go from right to the front of the mouth to the back of the mouth. But if you move to Spanish and Portuguese, we, we cut down the range so that the sound pattern, if I've just put my hand out here on the table, and with the other hand I'm touching my tips of my fingers and my watch as the extreme of the tongue. So Italian goes from the very back of my watch to the very tip of my fingers. And I have a big hand. So Portuguese goes from, um, it sits around the middle, the knuckles, mm. uh, where, where the fingers come out of the hand. It sits there very close, tight right. in, the, in, the, in that middle area. Yes. Um, Spanish covers a bit more terri- territory, but it's still, again, the vowels are a fairly narrow area. So how this, this happens, how it evolves... Um, we do know when we look at the Semitic languages, you have a lot of it, very little sound in the front of the mouth. It's sand. You get your, open your mouth and you get sand blown in. Mm. So Arabic and, and Hebrew are way in the. They say, oh, 
You have Russian, which sits in the back, but the Russian power, you need to get over the snowstorm. <laughs> <laughs> big, mm. if you have a big place, it's big and drafty. Uh, so, <laughs> so you look at Russian and Polish and and where the Slavic languages mm-hmm. tend to be sort of the back of the mouth. Mm. Um, you have uh, the Swedish, which is sort of in the <laughs> middle. I'll say, I'm going from front to, to back. I'm mm. moving around my mouth. Mm. Uh, German is very much in the front here, mm. and so is French. So the, the French, so the German, I tense my lips in one mm. way, and French, I tense my lips in a different way. <laughs> and I, this is, I've had to look for clues to help sure. people um, when I'm co- coaching, and frequently I'm coach called on Friday afternoon saying, David, you have to, on Sunday night, you've got to coach. And it's a language I've never even <laughs> heard of, and I've got to figure out, find out who. <laughs> I get a tape of it and mm, mm, figure it out and mm. and go coaching. Wow, fascinating. We have to take another short pause, David. So don't go away, folks. We will be right back here on the Moment of Truth and Element FM with David Smuckler right here on Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth and Element FM. I'm your host, David Moses. In the studio with me this morning is Mr. David Smuckler, and he is a vocal coach, a very well-renowned vocal coach. Uh, He has taught uh, in many places, not only within Canada, but outside of North America. And he has been discussing with us some very interesting things about the voice, where the power comes from from the voice. Uh, how to really tap into the voice, and some very practical elements of 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 how uh, how the, the the physicality of the voice is uh, t- attached to that emotion, and how to tie t- tie into that emotional side of the voice, etc. We uh, just before the break, we're talking about different uh, people's voices and 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 how they use their voice in a public manner when they're speaking, what that says about them, what it tells you about how uh, what they are either trying to hold back or where their 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 energy is coming from very interesting things david we we also spoke a little bit about vocal technique in in terms of uh, the ranges of the voice uh we talked about the diaphragm singing from the diaphragm as we all we've all heard about technique you mentioned languages as and that was very interesting to hear how the language itself affects the ability to open up the voice, I guess, when you mentioned Italian, and I've heard that, that, that the Italian language, because it is very much on the, on the, uh, uh, the, the, the uh, um, A-E-I-O-U, the vocals uh, that, that are used, it's all based in that, uh, and allows people to very much, the people love singing and understand in, in Italian because of that. Uh, you also mentioned how different parts and different languages use different parts of the mouth, and it sits in different places, which was also very interesting. And it leads me to wonder what we do in the English language, whether it be Canada, England, um, America. How do we how do we use the voice differently? When we start looking at the English language, start looking at the English language, and we start looking at the the extreme of of the. Uh, um, what used to be called received pronunciation. Mm. Uh, who they received it from, I don't know, <laughs> but um, they, that's what it was called, referred to. 
Um, and you still hear it in English politicians. Um, you hear it in the sort of aristocracy, mm. the upper classes, because that's very much an, a, an intellectual language. Mm. Um, w- interesting that one of the things that the British did, um, education in the British Isles probably was stronger in Scotland because Saint An- I think it's St. Andrews um, in Edinburgh is one of the oldest universities in the world. Um, so the, the, there was education, up a higher level of, of education in Scotland long before it was in England. Um, so that, and I'm not 100% correct, but I think there was much more universal, closest to a universal education in Scotland um, earlier, but in 1830, um, the British made English required language in Ireland. So the Irish were formed, were, were, were required to learn to become literate in English long before the English were required to become literate <laughs> in English. <laughs> so that um, when I was living in England and I would be touring and I would meet people in the small towns and people would quote the King James translation of the Bible to me. There I'd be a stranger and they say, what are you doing here? And I get, what do I do? And I talk about what I, what I did. And they would just quote passages that they had learned. So it's all hmm. learned by rote, hmm. the, the passages. So there was a, a grasp on language and the power of language, but not necessarily literacy. Mm. So you have each village, and especially what happens in, in the UK, is depends upon who invaded when. So one village, there were still Danish influences. The next village might have Celtic influences. Uh, so that that's where you get the range of the British dialects. When we look at what formed uh, the difference between the American English and the, the, the Canadian English, in premise, Canada was, in terms of English, was Scots. Mm. And so Hudson's Bay Company was from Glasgow. Oh, so you have the you have the, the you have the <laughs> the, the Scots jaw, right? Uh, right, and I've had the, the problem sometimes on set where suddenly the American f- producers are saying they're they're, sound, they're 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 doing Canadian dialects, and I'm going, no, they're not doing Canadian dialect, <laughs> they're just holding onto their Canadian jaw. <laughs> 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 Um, and then there was some uh, been some tight moments mm. on on a film set because mm. of that, mm. um, because the Americans they flop the jaw, and they use their tongues. They're flopping mm. around their tongues, especially out in the Midwest of America. They're <laughs> moving that tongue root down. They're moving it backwards there, and this is they're stating their power. Right. So the same thing in the American South. That's that's flopping the jaw and using that tongue, and whereas. 
Canadians, we're holding on to the middle of the jaw right there mm. as if we have an extra muscle right there. Mm. Um, that's Scots. Interesting. So that's, so that's, so when you move around parts of Canada, we're, it depends on where people's families came from. Sure. And uh, what those, especially in the Maritimes. Yeah, I was just going to say, what about the Maritimes? <laughs> and, that, and so that you literally have on those outposts where, and, and David Ferry did some wonderful um, taping this is 20 years ago of, of, of dialects. And I, I did analysis as David taped, mm. taped mm. them. I, I did analysis of what all these dialects, and some places people did we, do weird movements of their palate to make sound, but that's really wherever they came from in their mm. Mm. ancestors came from uh, back home. Right. Uh, can we talk a little bit about uh, your work with the indigenous uh, community? Right. And and how that, what you saw from language in that regard from uh, approaching it? I could do that. And I know, I know, it, 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 you can't just uh, we can't just limit it to uh, one because there are so many indigenous languages across the country, and and I've heard some uh, some people from Six Nations that speak they sound very nasally uh, in some regards, uh, but of course in other parts of the country in other languages uh, there there's a wide variety of it, there are just so many variations. Uh, as you posed the question. I went back to, this is probably 30 years ago, sitting in Vancouver with um, a man uh, who had just come back West Coast. Um, I, I say this, I'm not sure, what, I don't remember which what his people were. Mm. But he had just come back from being at a ceremony in Alberta mm. and he was fascinated because he couldn't do the sounds mm. that they were using sure. that the people in Alberta had. Right. It was such a different... And for me, first listening to it was, well, they are similar. And then more we listen, I listened, the throat was... Ha and it's all throat. Mm. Shaping of the throat was initially for me subtly different. And then it became to how the throat was handled because what determined is literally the environment of those peoples. Ah. Um, one year at Banff, um, teaching in the, 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 um, the indigenous program, um, voice program, a lady, and I can't remember, from the Yukon, uh, one night on the top, we were up on the roof of the, I shouldn't say this in public, um, <laughs> at the, the Banff of the residence of the mm. Banff Center, and it was full moon. Mm. It was just gorgeous. Mm. And she, no, we're, sorry, we're on the balcony, uh, 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 on the upper level, and she showed us her people, the tradition was her people from the mountains would travel down and the people from the coast would come up in the autumn after their harvests, and they would trade produce. They would trade goods, and, and they would trade dances mm. and ceremonies. 
and she taught us two ceremonies. And it was just two very different ways of walking, two very different ways of, because they were mountain people and the the other people were, were coast people. And just that, that was so much information mm, mm. about how unique the two communities were. Mm-hmm. And that's... Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. There is a lot of information and uh, there's a very diverse amount of, of, of languages within the indigenous community in this country. Alone. And I just, hope, I just hope people are recording it and uh, um, I'm sure somebody, somebody is... But but um, I, I, I one time at at the um, Native Theater School when it mm. just after it became the Center for Indigenous Theater, Floyd Favell was running the program mm. at that time, and he was trying to teach me to do a Cree song. <laughs> it just I got it was such a different concept mm. uh, of. Physical experience, and I never got it. Mm. <laughs> they just had a good laugh at me um, <laughs> because it's just such a framing, and I'm so um, Eurocentric, especially Eastern Europe. My 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 grandparents on, bo- on both sides are all over Eastern, from all over mm. Eastern Europe. So mm. I have all all the Slavic languages in right. me. And then to do, do that shift. Uh, David, if you don't mind, we, we're coming up uh, quickly to the end. So we have a few minutes left. I wouldn't mind asking you just uh, a couple of questions if um, you can answer quickly on some of these, just so we can get through, through some of them. Um, things that affect the voice, for instance, on a, on a, a general level. Diet. Diet? Okay. Absolutely. It depends upon uh, um, uh, dairy products coat the vocal mm. folds. Um, uh, if you have a lot of acidity coming up, that's going to mm. burn your vocal folds. Ah. Um, so, uh, so diet will affect. So, what are the things to stay away from then? For, for well, anything that where you have things that tend to lead to indigestion. Okay. Um, uh. And that was going to vary quite quite a bit. So dairy products will tend to, uh, if you're performing, you just stay away from dairy mm-hmm. products mm-hmm. because they will tend to coat. Okay. The vocal folds. What about things that, for instance, I I deal with post nasal drip, constant post nasal drip, uh, that I know I can always feel it falling down the throat and and landing on the vocal area and. Having to clear my throat is, is how do you deal with Instead those Instead of clearing your throat, <laughs> spit it up, spit it up, hot tea and spit it up. Get rid of it. No right. shame, just get rid of it. Well, we'll set up a spittoon in here. And, uh... Absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm, very, actually, I'm very serious about that. Okay. Rather than trying to swallow it down, which makes, makes the mucus just sit there on the vocal cords. Mm. Is it not bad to to spit it up or or <laughs> that's in my mouth? Oh, in your mouth. Okay, I got you. That is going to strain the vocal cords. Okay. <laughs> that's very descriptive. One of the mo- one of the more uh, vivid ones we've had. Um, thank you for that. Now, the other thing is um, 
vocal technique style. You know, I've heard here there's we're always hearing about vocal different different vocal styles. Is there one vocal style that works for everything? No, there isn't. Okay. No, you as soon as you are moving into just looking at music, there are so many different styles of of of, of singing. It depends on the language of base. It depends on the cultural base. David, we have to leave it there. We're out of time. I wish we had more. Thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Oh, my pleasure. This was great fun. I hope we can do it again. Yes, lovely. I also want to say nyawa, miigwech, wanishi, and thank you to everyone who helps put Moment of Truth together. They include in Ottawa, Jill Kennedy, Aidan Wolf, and Caroline O'Neill. In Toronto, Janet Lamb, Andrew Johnson, Luca Capone, Kathy Zabokin, Bruce Barber, Andrew St. Germain. Nyawa, miigwech, and thanks for listening. This show was brought to you in part by APTN.